You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that so that the proven genuineness, big word, the proven genu- genuineness of your faith, and then this phrase, of greater worth than gold. Interesting. Greater worth than gold, your faith, your genuine faith, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Then I love this phrase, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Father, we come to you today and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, the privilege to walk with Jesus in every circumstance that's represented in this room, every marriage, every job, God, every calling, every relationship. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us today to to grow. That really, as we open up your word today, that we would experience something supernatural where the, the, the living word comes alive and the written word has fresh meaning for us today. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to live it. We honor you and we love you. And Radiant Church said, amen. I want you to remember when you first gave your life to Jesus. And so uh, maybe you're here today and you haven't done that. Uh, Maybe you're here today and you did that recently. Maybe it was a decade ago. Maybe it was 40 years ago. Maybe it was when you were a child. But I want you to remember when you gave your life to Jesus, when the the new birth, the new creation, Christ inside of you and, and and a supernatural activity took place where no longer was it just you, but it was God at work inside of you. For me, it happened when I was a child, when I was uh, probably around five years old or so. And so I, I prayed a prayer and asked Jesus to be my Lord when I was five but I didn't really lean on him until I was really about 12. Because when I hit a trial was the day that I really recognized how much I needed him. And so for me, when I was about 12, that was the day where I really realized I needed someone supernatural who had taken up residency in me to help me through my trial. And right here, you've got Peter talking about trials. And I want us to kind of get a, a, a fresh look at how we see the trials that we inevitably walk through. Because I've got some news for us. Trials are here to stay. Like, I know you didn't want to come to church and hear that, but welcome to church. Like, trials aren't going away. Like, there will be a day where you step into heaven and trials are no no more, where all your tears are wiped away, where you are with him forever. But in the present tense, the road that we walk in the current age, you're going to have trials. And so when you think of salvation and then your season, I want you to imagine the moments, the trials that you've walked through and you've leaned into Jesus. For me, I've told you that story when I was 12. 
My little world came apart. So it's one of the reasons why we have such a big focus for me on young people because my life got radically transformed as a junior high student. So we'll send Joshua up to churches in Illinois. Just let's just get as many kids encountering God as we can. Let's just help these teenagers know and experience Jesus. But you know what? Again, I needed him when I was 29 because when I was 29, I faced another trial. And in my life in 2006, my great church had a dark day. And all of a sudden, one day it was blue sky, birds were singing, the mountaintops had snow on it, everything seemed great. And the next day the storm clouds rolled in and people were hurt and there was pain and 67 people got laid off from our church in one day. And all of a sudden we faced some crisis and some pain and some hardship and my world got turned upside down. And in that trial, I had to discover, was there someone, something supernatural that had taken place in me for me to endure the trial. Here's what I would encourage you with. In the midst of your trials, your trials can be your moments where you see Christ at work like never before. Let me say it this way. Oftentimes we live in a culture where we want a trophy where we want everybody to praise and say, you're awesome. And so we grow up that way, man. We love trophies when we're kids. When we get older, we, don't, we kind of maybe put away the athletic trophies and we just trade it with plaques and selfies with famous people. But everybody applaud and we want to feel good. But on the other side of those, those tend to decay and not be valued as much. And most of us would look at the moments where we walk through a trial and Jesus was teaching us something in the midst of hardship and we would say, that trial is a far bigger trophy than any accolade I've ever received. Because what I learned through that trial changed me. So for me, for me, when I was 12, what I learned through that trial was, Jesus, you're my identity. You're my friend, because I don't got any friends right now. So Jesus is my friend. When I was 29, it's, Jesus, you're my leader. Because my leaders are not coming through and I need you like never before. And so in this trial, I'm going to look to you. But it's in those trials that you face that you're probably walking in even today that you find out if there is supernatural activity taking place inside of you. Like God at work. And here's Peter. He's addressing persecuted Christians and so they're dispersed. It's not just speaking to one, he's speaking to lots. And when you're going through that trial, when you're going through suffering, that's the language that he uses here. Peter's looking at him, looking at all of them. And he's saying, all right, in the midst of this trial, and he uses this phrase, I want you to greatly rejoice. That's a big idea. Rejoice in the trial. And I know you hear that and you go, how could I possibly rejoice in the trial? Because on the backside of the trial, God will use your darkest day to help you get stronger. And actually those trials could become your friends. Those trials on the backside, if you can see supernatural activity take place, and so, Paul, or so Peter here is even addressing how you think of it. And this word greatly rejoice, man, Easy to read, easy to quote, easy to preach, easy to sing, hard to live. 
Rejoice in the trial. Like, like this Greek word here actually is, is it's, a, it's a very, it's an expressive, it's rejoice. It's actually like, like body movement kind of excited. Like, hey, Royals win the World Series and everybody's jumping up and down, like, right? Like dog pile in the middle. Jump up and down, rejoice. Movement. Oh, like my kid, Dawson, when he scores his first basketball goal, little tiny kid, I throw him up on my shoulders, dancing around, excited, yeah, kind of rejoicing, like excitement, like joy. Like I was trying to think of moments it's of a jump for joy, celebrate. It's so alive on the inside that there's body movement kind of coming out. I was thinking about my own life. It's been a couple times. I know that I wish I had like great stories of winning championships in high school as an athlete, but those stories are absent in my history. And so I'll pull from an election student council. What's up, somebody? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you can't make the team, you settle for drama, baby. A little bit of student council. But I remember an election where everybody said, no chance you're going to win. Person you're going up against is too popular. She's beautiful and you're not. And there ain't no chance you're going to beat her. But I did. Well, uh, mm, she went down. She was a senior. I was a junior. She was 5'11 and I was not. <clears throat> Took her down. And I remember, those, I remember this one dude named Gary telling me there's no chance you're ever going to win. I remember walking up to Gary being like, what's up now? How you doing, right? And walking down second hour, walking through the hallways, literally, I know this is a little bit embarrassing, jumping up and down like, what's up? Yeah, baby, I mean, I got this. Excitement, joy. Like that's the, that's the word there, rejoice. The other time I could think of really jumping for joy is when we were raising funds to launch Radiant Church. And Renata and I set this goal of what it, we would need, what it would take to buy some pipe and some drape and to buy some lights and to get a sound system and to buy 10 billion crackers for kids and all the stuff it was going to take, try to start a church in a middle school. And it was a big old number. <laughs> I remember telling Renata, it's going to take a miracle for I mean, God's going to have to step in. And I can tell you exactly where I was when I got the last verbal commitment to the very dollar that we had dreamed about. And I honestly, I was so excited. I could not contain myself. I walked out of the hotel into the streets, standing on the asphalt by myself, jumping up and down at 11 o'clock at night by myself. I mean, dancing in the rain party by myself because I was so excited. Now, Paul here, he gives this language of these trials that you're going through. If you can see them differently, he goes, I want you to jump for joy. Paul, not Paul, Peter. He's saying, I want you to rejoice. I want you to see these trials, greatly rejoice, <laughs> greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And here's the why, they have come so that the, that the proven genuineness of your faith, in these trials, you find out that your faith is real that you have a faith that is supernatural. 
that God is at work inside of you. And so hard to live, but here's this idea that Peter brings to us. Think of these trials as the moment where it brings revelation. It reveals to you what's going on on the inside. What's going on like your faith being real. And God will use your trials to grow you. God will use these challenging, hard, difficult scenarios. When you walk out of them victorious, when you walk through a trial and you had supernatural strength on the backside, you actually feel like it's a trophy. It's a moment that in your history is better than any game you won, any medal, any amount of money, any business plaque sitting on your desk. Because in that season, God was with you. You were able to walk in a way that was different than how the world walks and acts. And you'll take up this courage and strength that that, it's like, it's a moment where you go, He's, he, he, he's at work. There's, the, I, there's faith inside of me and God is at work. And we find these stories in the Old Testament and the New Testament all the way through. But imagine for Stephen, Acts 7, you've got a moment where Stephen, you talk about a trial. How about being drugged out of the city and not just persecuted like verbally, but physically stoned for your faith. And yet he's, talking to Jesus, having this vision of Jesus in the midst of it. That's a persecution you and I can't even fathom. That's a trial we can't even imagine. I, I love the, the stories in the book of Daniel. They're my, I mean, they're honestly, especially for young people, they're, they're like my favorite stories because there's this, this looks like a trial, but I'm gonna stand in supernatural faith or the way that Peter uses the language here, genuine faith. And I'm gonna walk out of this and on the backside of experiencing this, I'll know God's been with me the whole time. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we will not bow down. Our God will save us. But if he does not, <laughs> you hear it? We, there's faith. I, I, I will continue to pray three times a day, no matter what as I always have done, Daniel. And I just wanna invite you in the midst of whatever you're facing today, I want you to hear the apostle Peter who is part of Jesus' inner circle. And Peter looks at Christians that are scattered. He's got this rejoice in the trial. It's this moment where you find out about your genuine faith. It's this moment where everybody else responds in their flesh. You respond by the spirit of God who's taken up residency in you. You've got a supernatural response to trials and it is actually your moment to celebrate with joy because you're from another world. That's where he's gonna go in the next chapter. You're from a, you, you, you're living a, a different kind of life. So you don't respond like everybody else responds. I don't know about you, but um, I feel like our iPhones have taken over our lives. And, uh, and one of the things that takes place 
is that when you download an app now, a high percentage of the apps require you to put in an image of yourself. And so you're stuck trying to figure out if you should take a selfie and to have the present tense you, or, if you, or at least I do, if I should put one of eight years ago where I'm more happy with who I was and how I looked back then. And so all of us kind of know like the, the world of selfie. Selfie, I don't know if it was a word a decade ago, but now it is a word that we all say, right? Well, take a selfie, take a selfie, take a selfie. And here's the reality of the selfie. The selfie is a picture of you. A picture is what your, of what your face looks like. What, what, what's the, the outer reflection? This is me. If you got somebody else, this is us. This is what I look like. Here's the reality. This is a physical selfie. Your trial, it's a spiritual selfie. It's your moment where you find out what's going on on the inside. Like, face this trial. And do I respond in my flesh? Do I respond with how I want to respond? Or, or is, can, can I rejoice in this trial because there's a genuine faith that is actually real inside of me and I respond with joy? He's going to go on and give some ways that it looks like, but it's ways that look like Jesus rather than look like me. So the next time you have that trial, all the people around you will give you justification to get mad. And they'll say things like, come on, bro, just be real. And that be real is code word for be carnal. (laughs) Just be you. Just get it out there. Just say it like it is. And we kind of like to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what I feel. Here's what I think. You are right now, present tense, the disciples of Jesus that the whole world around you is looking at to be a representation of what Jesus is like. And Jesus has called and equipped and empowered you to be his conduits of his grace and kindness and life and joy and faith and hope so that when they see you, they see Christ at work. And so your best response in that moment is not a justification of me walking in my flesh, but a supernatural response to the best of your ability as you walk through the trials and say, this moment is my moment to respond like Jesus instead of responding in my flesh. Now, I I preach this, I'm saying this, this is hard to live. And even, you know, for me this week, I've had moments where I have not responded like Jesus. I've had moments, I had one of my kids take my iPhone charger and I was not like Christ, right? So I'm just saying, although I'm preaching high, I know we need some grace and we miss it, but I wanna give you a vision of where Peter's at. He's saying, hey, listen, Hey, listen, when you face these trials, this is your moment. This is your moment to walk with genuine faith. Christians don't cease to have trials. We just respond to them in a supernatural way. And so I want you to see that. And then I want you to see this next phrase where he says, your faith, which is of greater worth than gold. Let's just freeze on that phrase. Your faith, think my faith, my faith, all right of greater worth than gold. Peter, speaking of the greatest commodity, gold. Greatest value, greatest worth on earth is gold. And he's giving it eternal, supernatural comparison. 
Your faith, greater than gold. Think about the thing that you hold as your highest worth commodity that you have. Maybe you're thinking of, I don't know, equity in your house. Maybe you're thinking of your car. Maybe you're thinking of your lawnmower. I don't know, like whatever is the thing that, that you, Dylan, that's, you've got the most value in, right? And here Peter is saying, here's, here's the thing that's worth more than gold, more than anything that, any commodity on the planet. It's your faith. It's your faith. We tend to fight for the thing that has the most value to us, right? When I was a college student and I got engaged to Renata, before I got engaged, I bought a ring and that ring was 70% of my net worth at that season of my life. (laughs) And I lived in a house, I was a youth pastor and the church where I was working gave me a free place to live in exchange for being the youth pastor, which was great in that it was free. The bad part was, was that my house also served as a Christian school by day. So I had little tiny kids that were in that house all day, every day, and it's where I slept at night. It was awful. (laughs) But when I had that ring in in my house, I hid it and every day, not someday, every day, I went and made sure it was still there every evening, right? because it was the highest valued commodity that I had, that ring. When I went to take Renata, I took Renata to Chicago to ask her to marry me. And we flew to Chicago on that day. And I was going to ask her that evening. I had it in my backpack. I have never held on to a backpack so tight in my life because I did not want anything to happen to that ring. That backpack cost me a dollar, but that ring cost me a lot more. You know what I'm saying? And I had that value. Here's what I want you to picture. Here's Peter. And he's saying, your faith, it's higher worth than gold. It's precious. Think of big fisherman Peter. I mean, tough guy. And he's saying, your faith is the best thing you got. And he's looking at these Christians, he writes, he's going, it's of greater worth than gold. And I know that's simple, but I just want us to meditate on how we rearrange our lives with our faith being the commodity that we hold most dear. Because if you hold recreation most dear, you'll schedule your time around that. If your nest egg is the thing that matters most for one day out in the future, build your life around that. If it's your house, whatever it might be. And just think of the terms that we get from Peter here. Think of this. Here's what I hold on to. Here's what's of greatest worth to me. I've got this faith that's alive, that's at work. I've been saved. I've been set free. I'm in relationship with Jesus. And it's number one. It's the thing that I value the most. It is of greater worth than gold and you fight for it. You'll fight for what you value. You'll protect what what you value. And so think of it as in that day, gold, what is, you can compare it to everything else in our day, but your faith being precious, great worth. I fight for it. I love it. And if my faith is what I value, 
then my faith is what I talk about. Because we always talk about what we value, right? Like whatever is in us is what starts to come out, which is why we have small groups at Radiant Church. Because we're like, <laughs> we love getting together on Sundays. But the thing that we hold most precious is relationship with Jesus. And, and so the faith that we have is this thing that we value and we wanna talk about what God is doing in our lives. And we wanna even get together and have conversations and, and fight for it. Like if you value finance and money, you'll learn about it and you'll talk about it. If you value, if you, if you value cars, then you'll, you'll talk about it. And if you value sports, all those things, here's what we're saying, what we value most, what's of greater worth than sports? What's of greater worth than money? It's of greater worth than gold. It is my faith. It's what's precious to me. It's what I value most. It's what is eternal. And on earth, all these things, including gold, will one day be gone. But what's eternal is Christ inside of me. I've got a faith relationship that's so real. And so I wanna inspire you to have conversations not just about all the other things, but put Jesus right at the center. And the tendency, especially for us, is just to always talk about busy, 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 busy. I'm just so busy, busy, busy. I got, okay, slow down, have a conversation. Let's talk about what we value. Let's stop whining long enough to worship. Let's talk about what, Jesus is doing in our lives. Let's put him in the center of our conversation. Talk about it. He's better than any award you've ever won. He's number one. He's the thing. And so it's our conversation. And here's my prayer is that as you have those faith conversations in small groups, what seems so dark right now on the other side will actually become of greater worth to you than any trophy you've ever won. You know, it was in the season in 2018, in the fall where I was going through such and such a trial, but God, but my faith, but I walked with Jesus through it, but Jesus did this in and through me. And on the backside of your present tense trial might be a spiritual trophy. Might be a moment where you go, you know what? Today's trial is tomorrow's trophy. What I'm walking through today feels so hard, but when I walk through it victoriously, I've got the opportunity to talk about God's activity in the past. That's one of the things I love about so many small groups where we've got small groups right now where people have said, you know what? I used to have this trial with debt I used to have this trial with this relationship where it was hard. I used to have this trial of whatever different thing that was so eating up my life, but God. And now, now I can use that very thing to help others. And that's your big win. Like your big win in life is not more comfort. Your big win in life is here's what Jesus has done in me and I wanna help other people connect to Jesus. That's, that's the touchdown. That's the goal. That's the vision. And so who knows? Who knows how God might use even what you're walking through right now to one day be, <sighs> I look at my own life and honestly, 
when, I, I know that it gets repetitive for me to talk about that junior high season, but it was the dark moment of my life. It was a moment, I, 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 even today when I think about it, I, I, have, I have these moments of sadness because it was so hard for me. Or when I think about the moments that I mentioned a moment ago when I was, when I was 29 and our church went through that hard, hard season. It was dark. It was so sad. But on this side, man, those are the seasons where I saw God at work inside of me. Those were the moments where I walked out going, you know what? Maybe I do have a supernatural faith. Maybe, maybe, maybe Christ really has taken up residency in me. And it's, it's supernatural that I'm coming out of that season in love with God, focused. Okay, here's what I invite you to. Your trial might be your friend. Your trial might be your moment that you lean into Christ like never before. You might wanna rejoice in it to the best that you can. And I'm not saying I always do this. I'm not trying to make myself a hero. I'm just trying to look at testimony and go, I believe it to be true. I believe that far better than any award or any applause, those trials to me are precious because, but God, God worked. And I learned some identity when I was 12. And I lost some selfish ambition when I was 29. And I'm just grateful. How can you see your trial? How can you look at it right now and see it the way that, Jesus, what do you wanna do in the midst of this? Then look at this last verse, verse eight. We'll finish here today. Because this is so fun. This is the phrase that's so, it's like intimate. It's like precious. You almost feel like Peter, like I just picture, I, I, I don't know that Peter was big, but I just picture him big. I don't know why. I just picture him with a big beard, huge fisherman. And he looks and he says this phrase where he goes, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, this is faith talk, genuine faith. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. There's that word again. I'm telling you friends, joy, inexpressible joy, rejoicing, it's what's supposed to mark Christians. Like we're not supposed to be the saddest people on the planet. We're supposed to have this fruit, this rejoicing because of who Jesus is. That's why around here we're all, I'm always just trying to help that be a part of our culture. Look how Peter says this. So he gives three things. He says, your genuine faith looks like, and he gives three things. You have not seen him, but you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And the third one, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Three things. These would be all our takeaways. All right, what does my faith look like? All right, one, I gotta, I gotta rejoice in trials. And those trials reveal if there's supernatural activity in me. Two, I, I value my faith. My faith is my greatest commodity. Greater than my house, greater than my cars, greater than my retirement, greater than my mower, greater than anything I got. It is my faith. That's the number one thing that, that's the thing that lasts forever. And then he says, present tense. Here's, what it, here's the way that faith is playing out. You haven't seen him, but you love him. You believe and you're filled with inexpressible joy. I just picture Peter going, oh, you love him. I don't know if Peter remembers that moment in John 21, where Jesus looked at Peter three times and said, do you love me? Do you agape? 
Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And here's Peter feeding lambs, writing to the church, trying to be an obedient shepherd. And he's going, I've got an edge on you. I, I saw him. I, I saw the miracles. I, I, I saw him die on the cross. After he rose from the dead, he, he, he came and he talked to me on the beach. And then he gave me this commission to feed his sheep. I, I've, I've walked with him. But you, you you've, you've never even seen him. And you love him. You know, he prayed for you. He prayed in John 17. He prayed that there would be people that we, the disciples, would reach that would love him the way that the Father loves him. You're a fulfillment of his prayer. You love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe. Yeah, yeah, even though I, he looked at my buddy Thomas, even after he'd risen from the dead and he came into the room. Thomas said, I got to touch him. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You, you guys, you're some of the blessed ones. You haven't, even, you haven't seen him, but you love him. You haven't even seen him, but you believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe would not perish, but have eternal life. You're the believing ones. You're the loving ones. <laughs> and you have an inexpressible joy. You know what your faith looks like? It's so genuine. Oh, it's worth greater greater worth than gold. And even in the midst of your trials, and I know you're going through these trials, but listen, it's for a short time because you've held on to what lasts forever, what cannot, will not die, what is eternal, your salvation, your faith. It's of greater worth than gold. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we love you today. And Jesus, we ask that you would help us in every trial. I lift up all the different scenarios going on that are in this room today. And I ask that you would give supernatural faith where faith is hanging on by a thread, where it feels like faith is hardly there. Would you just take a moment? Would you just tell God, God, here's my trial right now. Help me to rejoice in it. Here's my financial challenge. Here's my relational brokenness. God, here's my lethargy. Just bring it to him. God, would you give me fresh faith? genuine faith in the midst of my trial. 
turn this trial into a trophy one day. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that I go th- though I go through something that's so challenging. I love you, God. My faith is in you. My hope is not in my retirement. My hope is not in my health. My hope is not in my skill set. person of faith You've been a person of self just just you and today you want to enter into relationship with God the good news is is that the father loved you so much that he sent his one and only son Jesus to die on a cross for you and Jesus rose from the dead he defeated death the grave you can walk in relationship with him today. What you do is you just say, here I am, I believe. If that's you today, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer after me, just from your seat between you and God. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I give you my life. Save me from sin. Change me. Heal me. Give me fresh life. I want real faith, God. I want to spend eternity with you, God. And I give you my life. I will follow Jesus. He will be my Lord. Redeem me. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.